Gary Barda is out at Iowa, but I don't think that's going to change much over with the Hawkeyes. You are locked on Big Ten. Your daily podcast on the Big Ten Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey, welcome into Locked On Big Ten. Thank you for making the show your first listen every single weekday. I'm your host, Nate Dickinson. A reminder, you can get us wherever you get your podcasts, on YouTube and on Twitter, free and at Locked On Big Ten. One zero at the end when you type it out, not T-E-N. Coming up on today's show, we're going to talk to Brian Smith later on in the program about the latest in recruiting news around the Big Ten. We've got one big commit potentially committing to a Big Ten school later this week, and also we're going to talk to Brian about where everyone stands in the conference right now and if they'll go up or down by the time the recruiting cycle comes to a close. First, though, we've got to talk about big news out of Iowa. Just a few days ago, Gary Barta announced his retirement from the school. We'll talk to Trent Condon right now about why exactly this is happening now and what comes next for a system that has had Barta in place for a long time and also its head football and basketball coaches too. Is there anything really that's going to change with the new man at the front office with Iowa? We'll talk to Trent about that right now, talk to Brian in a little bit. Let's get right into it here on Locked On Big Ten. Hey there, you're tuned in to Locked On Big Ten. I'm your host, Nate Dickinson. We're joined by the host of Locked On Hawkeyes, Trent Condon, to talk about a big change being made over at the top of Iowa athletics. Gary Barta is out after retiring here earlier this week, and now there's going to be a new search as he is set to step down August 1st to find somebody to lead this school. We have Trent on to here break it down for us. Uh, Trent, why is this happening right now? Well, in the simplest terms, this has been a tenure of Gary Barta that has been mired and his legacy will be remembered most about the settlements that have been been paid out over $11 million in settlements during his reign, uh, leading back to uh, firing of a couple of administrator in a field hockey coach that cost the athletic department $6 million uh, settlements in title nine, a football lawsuit from African-American players. So there's been a lot that has been inside of this. And that is how he is going to be remembered, even with the success that the programs have had, even with really the solid nature of Iowa athletics, you think of what they're able to do. NCAA tournament just happened for the men's baseball team. He hired Rick Heller, who revitalized this program that was on down on hard times, uh, keeping Kirk Ferentz around now during his whole tenure when NFL overtures were out there over the last five years. Iowa third in the Big Ten in victories, and that's under the watch of Kirk Ferentz. Men's basketball was absolutely dreadful. His first hire, in fact, was bringing in Todd Licklider. That was an unmitigated disaster, but very quickly ripped off the Band-Aid, fired him after three years. Brandon Fran McCaffrey, and though there hasn't been the success people want in the NCAA tournament, they have made eight of the last 10 tournaments or would have counting 2020 as they were going to be a tournament team that season and, and really pulled them out of a place where many people didn't believe they could get out of. So there has been plenty of successes that he has had keeping people around or hiring the right people, but those settlements is what's going to be remembered most with Gary Barda. He is a guy that has fundraises, fundraised incredibly well. He is very good at that aspect of the job, but PR, not exactly his strong suit. 
Trent, some of those settlements are very recent. Most recent, we still have this gambling thing ongoing. How much of this was his decision? You know, that's a great question. So his contract came uh, comes up at the end of next school year. It ran through 2024. He is still just 59 years old. He'll turn 60 here shortly. But this is not a guy that you're really thinking retirement age now. Of course, he's done incredibly well being an athletic director at the University of Iowa for 15 years, making the money that he has. I'm sure he's doing pretty well and he's okay. Maybe it is just as simple as early retirement. He has had uh, some health issues as well. Maybe that's a part of it. But I think ultimately he understood, and with the new school president there and President Wilson, I think he understood that the writing was on the wall, that there was not going to be a contract extension for him instead of going through kind of a lame duck year in his final season. Instead, he made the decision to walk away. But I think he did that knowing that there wasn't going to be an extension coming his way. Uh, okay, so now Iowa goes here and looks for somebody new to lead this program. When I first heard this news, and I started to think about what happens next for the Hawkeyes. My opinion was like, okay, as far as if we're talking basketball and football, like, yes, there will be someone new leading this program, but there's not really any sort of big change that can be made here. Like, this isn't a situation where a new athletic director can come in and just hire his guys in head coaching spots. Like, there are firmly established, successful Big Ten coaches in both of those positions, right? So, like, it's kind of like, it, it seems more like the AD could be trying out for the head coaches here than it is the coaches trying out for the AD. I see, and I kind of see it the different way. I, I think things are coming to an end. With Kirk Ferentz going into year number 25 now with the program, we're – we're coming up 18. I mean, we're, we're, we're maybe even in the fairway of 18 for Kirk. In fact, it wouldn't surprise me if they have the success that I believe I was going to have this season on the football field, that this is the end for Kirk Ferentz and he walks away. I could absolutely see that because I think this team is going to be really good with the changing environment of college athletics. I could certainly see uh, Kirk Ferentz walking away. And though he did great work in the portal here, maybe one of the most underrated jobs in the portal this season, I, I think that's a big, big piece of it. Secondly, Afraid McCaffrey. And he has been so outspoken about the changing landscape. Now, Fred McCaffrey, as a player back in his day, started his career at Wake Forest. He transferred to Penn, and that's where he finished up his career and went on to the Wharton Business School. Uh, shows you the sharpness of Fred McCaffrey. But he is not a guy that is exactly enamored with the new portal environment. He is not a guy that has gone out there at the same level. I think he's become frustrated where it is, for a lot of players, only about money. It's not about fit. It's not about style. It's not about finding the right fit and, and being the best basketball player you can be. It's just about the bottom line, getting the most money possible. And I think that has left him incredibly frustrated. So I, I don't know if Ray McCaffrey just yesterday uh, up on social media, Patrick McCaffrey, his second son, uh, put up that this is going to be his final go, final go around, though he does have two seasons of eligibility with the COVID year. Uh, he could have two more years. He says this is going to be his last go around. Brand 64. And his youngest son, Jack, is finishing up his high school career. I wouldn't be shocked to see that this be the end of Fran McCaffrey coming up as well. So you got two big hires on the horizon, though they are well-tenured coaches. Lisa Bluter, same thing. He takes the team to the national championship game this past season, pulls a huge upset against South Carolina. She's in her 60s as well. There is still a lot on the horizon. Rick Heller talked about on baseball. He is in his 60s. So these are, though, well-established coaches. These are coaches that are at the end. So whoever the new athletic director is going to be, it might not happen in the next season or the next two. But if you're looking five years down the line, it very well could be a possibility where you're looking at making a football hire, 
a men's basketball hire, a women's basketball hire, and a baseball hire for the top sports in the state. Really, really important. And outside of wrestling, there's going to be a lot of movement. So getting this athletic director hire right is paramount here for the University of Iowa. But this is still all speculation at this point. And you're speculating on the point that Ference and McCaffrey could be wanting to leave. Mm -hmm. I'm speculating on the point of what if Iowa says, hey, Kirk, hey, Fran, maybe it's time to leave. Is there a situation where you could see them trying to push them to retirement or somewhere else? I don't think we're at that point, no. I mean, with the success that the Iowa football program has had, I mentioned third most wins in the Big Ten over the last five years, the way that they have pulled themselves out and year after year, the success that they have had, there's not pushing Kirk Ferentz out. This is Kirk Ferentz athletic department. And that's the reason I think that him and Gary Barta worked so well together for so long. And maybe that relationship has become a little bit more fractured after the implementation was put in for Brian Ferentz, Kirk's son, as the offensive coordinator, the 25 points per game and have to win at least seven games this year for him to maintain his job. Did that strain the relationship? I think you could do that. But at this point, no, I don't think any athletic director with what Kirk Ferentz has done, the success that he's had for a quarter century, I don't think any AD is going to come in here I'm going to be looking at trying to push him out or force him toward, towards retirement. And same thing with Fran McCaffrey. And, and there are plenty of skeptics about him and his basketball program, but the success is there. Eight NCAA tournaments in 10 years, that's something that not many Big Ten teams can point to and have, and he's been able to do that over the last decade. And because of that, I don't see any kind of force. Plus, those guys with big personalities too. You see Kirk on the sidelines, and you think this stoic guy uh, behind closed doors, there is a different, and he is definitely the boss uh, when he walks into any single room, and you see that. The same thing with Freya McCaffrey. You see him on the sidelines, a little bit different uh, the way that he does things on the sidelines, but obviously he is a guy that definitely is very sure of himself. So I don't anticipate that. I think it's more both Kirk and Fran looking at it and seeing that they're coming down to the road, and they'll walk away under their own terms. You mentioned this is Kirk Ferentz's athletic department. What kind of influence does he have in this decision? It's a great question and one that I think depends on where he is. I mean, if he still believes that he's got another three, five, seven years in front of him, I think he is going to have a big, big pull in who the new AD is going to be. I think that this is going to be one where he is going to make an important part. Does he go the route? And maybe he decides to go Barry Alvarez's route and take over the athletic department himself. And if that's something that he wants, I would not be surprised to see, at minimum, he become a finalist for the job. Is he a pencil pusher? Is he somebody that's going to go out there and glad hand with the big money donors out there? I don't exactly see that being Kirk, but uh, stranger things have certainly happened. But ultimately, if Kirk is going to be around for the foreseeable future, he's still in great health, still doing great things with this program, and his ability to adapt, as we see in the transfer portal and what he has brought in, I think that says a lot. If that is the case, and he believes he's going to be here for a number of years still, I think he's going to have a huge voice of who the new AD is going to be. Kirk Ferentz, longest tenured coach in all of the Big Ten, of course, at one school since he's been there, of course, as Trent's gone over. Huge success. Gary Barta, second longest tenured athletic director in the Big Ten. As he steps down, I was going to go for a big change there at the athletic department. And whatever decisions made, we'll have Trent Condon back on here to help us figure out what exactly is going on over there with the Hawkeyes. And be sure to tune in to Locked on Hawkeyes every single weekday if you want to stay up to date on all of their teams. Thanks again, Trent, for joining us. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Sounds great. 
Thanks again to Trent Condon for joining the program and talking to Iowa's situation with us for a few minutes here on Locked On Big Ten. We're going to talk to Brian Smith about recruiting in just a minute. But first, if you're looking for a great snack that doesn't give you too many calories, but does give you a great taste and gets you through the day too, then you need to try out Built Bar. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. It is the bar that has 130 calories only and only 4 net grams of carbs and sugars, but also packs in a punch of 17 grams of protein and contains 100% real dark chocolate too to make sure that you're getting all of the flavor that you want all of the nutrients that you need and none of the other garbage that you don't head on over to built.com right now to see what i'm talking about and try out some of their great new flavors new flavors are coming out all the time like some of the more recent ones churro peanut butter brownie cookies and cream they've got great tasting flavors like those and more over at built.com or if you're close to a sam's club you can run and grab a 13 bar box right now and you can also head to your nearest walmart as well in the pharmacy section you can get a box of built bars too so head on over to the website to walmart to sam's club whatever it may be and get your built bars today All right, let's continue on with Locked On Big Ten with Brian Smith, our Locked On college football recruiting expert, as he's got some insight on one of the guys who could be committing to a Big Ten school here this week, and also we'll talk bigger picture with where things stand in Big Ten recruiting right here with him now. You're tuned into Locked On Big Ten, everything you need to know about the conference every day of the week. Brian Smith joining us here on the program to go over some recruiting news in the Big Ten. Then we're going to ask him about some more big picture stuff for the class of 2024. Before we get into that, one player whose name is going to go to a school here in the next couple of days. Sean Savalano Jr., a Florida kid, is set to make his commitment here in what's Thursday it's going to look like right now. It may be Friday was at some point, but I believe latest news is it's going to be tomorrow. But point is, he's got Ohio State on his shortlist. He's got a whole lot of other Big Ten offers, but Ohio State seems to be the favorite among Big Ten teams. But Auburn's also in there. Notre Dame's also in there. Miami, the more local school, is also on that shortlist for him. So a whole lot of interest for a guy who's only a three-star recruit, but the school names, you got to give him some respect for He's a kid I know well. He's actually from Canada originally, and he plays at Clearwater Academy International. They take kids from all over the world, Italy, Germany, you name it, and they've got a hell of a football program. Sean's a nose guard that is super talented. He was most recently uh, at Auburn, I believe. But uh, Ohio State has been trending for him. Notre Dame, I expect it to be one of those two, and he's going to be a kid that's going to be a pass rusher on the interior, which every team in America is looking for. Yeah, tell us a little bit more about how this kid plays. Why is it that, again, only a three-star recruit, but so many big-name schools are wanting his services? Excellent student, great young man, and he has the body type that he can't teach. He's 300 pounds. He's 6'2". Those kids don't always all go together in that package. Uh, Academics aren't always the strong suit of defensive linemen. That that peaks up the interest of college programs. And then just from knowing him, I've seen him practice. I've seen him at the Under Armour circuit he plays hard man he's the kind of guy a d-line coach can get behind and want to coach because he's going to be a kid that takes he's not going to give you a lot of lip service he's just going to do his job and his first step and his explosiveness at 300 pounds are not exactly traditional for a nose guard either though those guys are usually space eaters sean is not he's a kid that can take on a double team but he's also a really good one gap and go guy 
and get pressure on the quarterback, interior D lineman, whenever you can sign one that can rush the passer, and that changes your defense because that's as close as there is from a you know standpoint of distance to the quarterback is right there in front of him where the ball snapped, and that's that's where Sevillano plays. Well, we'll end up seeing what happens there. Again, that's a commitment that's looking like it's going to happen on Thursday as he's got a whole lot of big names on the list and also over the country to SEC, Big Ten, ACC. And we'll see what ends up happening there. Obviously, as you mentioned, going from Canada down to Florida, not uh, too upset about having to travel anywhere. But we'll see where he ends up going. Thanks again, Brian, for giving us that insight. Now I want to go a little bit more into some team rankings right now across college football because we're early in the cycle for the 2024 class. And early in the cycle, there's always a few schools that seem to do just a little bit better and get themselves out to a nice head start. Other schools maybe fall behind. So I wanted to ask you, we'll start at the top and just kind of go down with the Big Ten with some of the more interesting and notable schools here. Where you think these schools will finish relative to where they stand right now in their overall recruiting class ranking for this 2024 class. We'll start, for example, with the Ohio State Buckeyes. At the moment, the number three class in the nation, consistently a top five class kind of team. But right now, at number three, where do you see them going as far as what is, of course, already a pretty small range at the top? As long as they can keep Jeremiah Smith, the stud receiver from Chaminade Madonna in South Florida, he's visiting UF this weekend and he's been to Georgia and he's, he's going to probably visit Miami and Penn state. They keep him. It's going to be hard for them not to end up in the top five because he's probably the best player in the country. They've also got some visits coming up. Like Elijah rushing is a defensive lineman out of Arizona that every school in the country wants Oregon and Notre Dame were probably their biggest competition for him. Another five-star kid. Those are the guys you got to kind of keep on all the way to signing day, too, by the way, because it's not like Nick Saban's going to stop calling those guys or Kirby Smart. If they can keep them, no reason for the Buckeyes not to be in that top three. They've, they've got Aaron Nolan committed, one of the top quarterbacks. He's going to the Elite 11 finals. They're trending right where they need to. They just need to keep on plugging. How good would this class have been if it was able to keep Dylan Rival in it? I mean, I. Nolan is the safer pick. Rayola, Rayola has just insane upside. He's got a cannon for an arm. He's a bigger kid. I, he's a little more raw, but my goodness, the physical tools are insane. So I get why people liked him. He's a more athletic version from a body type. of like what Troy Aikman was back in my, my back in my day. Just big-bodied kid, but he can really move, and he can throw from really awkward angles. So he's ranked number one. They might have had the number one class based on ranking. But uh, I love Aaron Nolan, too, so I don't think it's really going to matter that much for on-field performance. I've been waiting to see the tides turn in favor of Michigan as far as recruiting goes with them starting to win on the football field in this rivalry. Right now it is. They do currently have a class right there with Ohio State ranked number two in the nation. And they're not a team that, while always doing well, they're not always in that top five area. Uh, Can they – keep that kind of momentum that they've started off with here. They seem to have really just taken it upon themselves of a staff to go all out. And that's what you got to do. I guarantee you that schools like Alabama, LSU, uh, Notre Dame, some of these coaches at these schools that they've got staffs that this is what they do. Miami does a great job. Michigan's turned on the burners, man. They have got tremendous momentum. You got to give credit 
to the entire staff. And, of course, going to the playoff, that kind of helps just a little bit. So do I expect them to finish really high? Yes. They only have a handful more guys to get to before they could pretty much be done with their class. I think they'll slow down in terms of momentum because now they're kind of waiting on some big fish to make decisions. Uh, Justin Scott out of Chicago, et cetera. But they're right where they need to be, and there's no reason they should finish outside the top five. You mentioned the momentum there and how quickly you're able to get people. One of the coaches in the Big Ten, in my opinion, and I'll ask what you think about it too, if I think just always seems to want to get out to a fast start and get a lot of guys right away is P.J. Fleck at Minnesota. And it is reflecting in where his class stands right now, currently number 12 in the nation according to 24-7's composite rankings. But that's mainly based on because they do have a whole lot of people committed in that class already right now. If you're a fan of a team like the Gophers that gets off to a start where they just get a whole lot of guys, how do you sort through that? Well, if you if you took them, then you wanted them. That's just right. kind of my philosophy. PJ's never been afraid to do his own evaluations. He doesn't really care about the rankings as much. They've taken some kids from rural Georgia that don't get scouted as much, and then they go and they start. He's taken kids from all over the country and done that. I, I love what they've done, and there's no reason to believe that they're not going to continue to build. Not many guys have more energy than Flack. I think that's part of it. He's. I've asked some kids about him, what he's like, and they said he's the same way on the phone. He's the same way in person. He's always moving. He's always doing something. So I'm not surprised that they moved up in the recruiting rankings because he outworks guys. His staff outworks guys. He demands that from the people that work for him. And if not, they're gone. So uh, good for Minnesota. Good for the Big Ten. Uh, I, if they're at 12 right now, is there any way they can stay anywhere near that? By the you end of start, the cycle? If you're going to finish in that range, you got to get some guys that grab the attention. That's why they'll yeah. probably drop. But at the same time, if they do well this season, it's not like they don't recruit the Justin Scotts of the world. It just, it's hard to get them. They need to have an on-field performance that's going to surpass expectations. That's how you get four- and five-star kids. you got to win the games. Speaking of teams trying to make that jump, Penn State, of course, always in the recruiting conversation. They're ranked right now at number seven in the nation. But it's been – a really, really good recruiting team always, even when it hasn't been as quite successful as 10 wins as it put up last season. Do you see that kind of 10 win year being something that they can take a step up with? Or is it at a point now for Penn State where they're at all they can do until they start beating Michigan and Ohio State as far as helping themselves on the field? Well, they got Drew Aller at quarterback, who's a freak. Um, he's like Rayola, that very similar. How he does this year is going to probably impact recruiting a lot because they've got defensive talent. They've got a ton. Uh, O-line's gotten better, et cetera. Obviously, running back, they're in really good good situation. I just don't know how you can predict Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, Penn State, those kind of games. As long as they're competitive, I don't think it'll change recruiting much. But they, they're at a 10-win plateau until they beat them is probably right because nobody else in the Big Ten has more talent than, than those two schools. I think that they're recruiting this year, though, at just in my opinion, I live in Florida. They've recruited Florida per capita as well as any school in the country, including the big three in Florida. Juwan Sider, tremendous recruiter. He would be my pick for a national recruiter of the year if I could pick one right now. He's on Penn State staff. They're on that verge where, depending, there's some big recruitments coming up. 
but they're on the verge of having a top five class. But some of the guys they're after probably aren't going to make decisions until the fall. Well, we'll have to have that conversation at some point, Brian. I know is we'll definitely get more into the guys on Florida with Penn State with you soon. But for now, Brian Smith, Locked On Recruiting Expert. You'll hear him across other Locked On shows around the Big Ten Network, I know, and around all of the college sports network if you follow any of the other shows. Thank you, as always, for coming on with us, Brian. We'll have you on here soon again. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Thanks again to Brian for joining us here on the program. Thank you for listening into Locked On Big Ten. I'm your host, Nate Dickinson. We'll have more tomorrow with you here on everything that you need to know from around the Big Ten Conference. Continuing with our spring football previews, all sorts of stuff to go on with the NBA draft coming up. There's all sorts of big news there we'll get to. It's all coming up here on Locked On Big Ten. Until then, I'm your host, Nate Dickinson, at Nate with Sports on Twitter. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter, wherever you get your podcasts, and on YouTube, too, at Locked On Big Ten. One zero at the end, not T-E-N when you're typing it out. This has been Locked On Big Ten. I'm Nate Dickinson with Locked On.